Welcome once again to Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. It's episode 50. Um, believe it or not, don't believe it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't believe the hype. <laughs> Certainly know about the episode numbers. Um, <laughs> I can't believe it was only yesterday that somebody noticed. <laughs> you know, like, but psh, 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 let's keep that under our hats. I, th- I think you've made it pretty fucking obvious. It's not like. <laughs> People aren't going to be calling up Sherlock Holmes going, can you help me solve this mystery? They said not to believe them about the episode numbers. And then you look at, people will look on like iTunes and they'll go, oh, 49 episodes available. <laughs> but the latest one's number 50. What's going on? What is going on? Well, we, we, we know what's going on. You do know what's going on. Yeah, nobody else knows what's going on. Nobody else knows what's going on. My name, as ever, is Mr. Roscoe Harold Vacant. I'm joined with uh, by my dear friend uh, and most bodacious colleague... Gil Euthanasia Rokitansky. Euthanasia. Okay, how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm just... Because uh, we're now all international, this is really early in the morning for me. What time is it for you? It's 10pm at night uh, here in New York State, and Gil is in Glasgow, Scotland, yeah. so that's quite exciting. But it's now 3am. My goodness, you're very keen. Yeah, I'm just uh, sitting on my own, drinking oh, a milkshake, oh. wearing <laughs> nothing but a pair of frilly briefs. <laughs> and there's, there's just oh, there's a little bit of milkshake on my chin. Oh, so well, it's dribbled down, and it's a banana milkshake, so it's kind of yellow and milky on my chin. And it looks like old spunk. So, Gil, first and foremost, I think it's worth us noting that well, we, we kind of expected the, the number of listeners that we would get to drop after a six-month break, but a, a six-week break, but actually increased by a third yeah. Uh, over what we normally get. So thank you very much to everybody for, for listening and stick with us. There's some good stuff coming. Um let's watch the numbers drop this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the quality of the, the films isn't really gonna uh, sell it. <laughs> that might help then, because yeah. uh, let's face it, there's nothing to do in this episode apart from banter. Apart from uh really Tucker and Dale Tucker, yeah. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. And, yeah. and John dies at the end. Ah, uh, sure. And, sure. So, and Gil, maybe not so much in Dylan Dog. <laughs> not so much, not so much. So, um, what have you been up to this week? Have you managed to get anything exciting happening in your life? Yeah, I went to see Machete Kills. Oh, man, how was that? A bit too long. Okay, cool. I think we should probably leave, leave that to... Well, next week, I think we're probably planning to speak about that next week, if possible. Cool, because you can go um, and see it in America. 
I can go and see it in America. I can indeed. Um, so I'll be I'll be doing that, and we can get a full discussion of that going next week. Cool. I won't spoil any of it for you. You've already spoiled a wee bit of it for me, but that's well, okay. What, by saying it's overly long? No, you told me something about the start as well. Uh, the start's really good and the end's really good. <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the middle just drags. <laughs> so, at, yeah. At least you know if you need to go for a pee. Uh-huh, go in the middle. <laughs> There's plenty of time. Very good. Very cool. And have you managed to watch anything else? Or has there been anything else on your agenda? Uh, I've actually watched... Uh, couple of films and I bought some more DVDs from Poundland oh good for you and also uh, did we ever actually discuss Lovely Molly on the show no, we didn't, or did no. I just rant about how crap it was because I'd watched it and I just made the joke about it being a remake of Ghost Dad yeah <laughs> no we never we never discussed it it's in Poundland oh dog I didn't buy it oh <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't no. shame myself no, by buying that sick. at all. Lovely Molly. <laughs> no. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not a sound investment. That's one you're guaranteed to never get your money back on, I think. Not even the pound. It's, not it's even ridiculous. the pound. But I So yeah, what what did you buy then? If you, if you overlooked Lovely Molly, what did you buy? Well, I bought Some Guy Who Kills People. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that just like there, weren't we? Yeah, oh, if they've got another copy, I'll pick it up for you and stick it through your slot, as the, as the kids say. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I also bought okay. Snakes on a Plane. Uh, okay. It was a pound. <laughs> I know, I know. Meh. Uh, I wasn't a fan of that, man, to be honest. I just, I, I didn't dig it at all. Are you just saying you didn't dig it because he also played Shaft? I just didn't like it one bit, man. It just wasn't fun oh, for me. There was a girl got bitten on the boobies. <laughs> <laughs> and a man got a snake on his willy. And I can't really remember anything else that happened. It's... What's the one where it's like somebody, somebody's kid goes missing and then they like pretend that the kid was never there and all that? That was just on the news, wasn't it? That was the kid in the balloon. <laughs> the bubble boy. Oh, it's a film. All right, I thought you were like uh, making a tasteless joke about last week's Crime Watch special on Madeline McCann. <laughs> Oh dear! Part- no. Particularly tasteless. You see, you've gone to America, and your your sense of humour has just become cruder and cruder. It's proximity <laughs> to Doug Stanhope. That's what it is. <laughs> I, oh my life! I remember the last time Doug Stanhope was playing in Glasgow, and I saw you just walk up to a tramp and punch him. <laughs> you just become a vile person when you're round about that Stanhope boy. <laughs> I do. Yeah. I do. But I also bought Ten Items or Less, which is a very good Morgan Freeman film. It's quite a, mm-hmm. an indie, low-budget thing, but uh-huh. it's it's really nice and it's got a kind of heartwarming tale. But it's also got some quite funny comments on Hollywood and stuff like that going on in it because okay. he is going to a very out-of-the-way 
little supermarket mm-hmm. in a kind of poor area. So he's a customer? No, he's an actor who never actually has a name. I don't think he's ever named in the film. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. it is Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. And he's meant to be a big famous actor. Sure, right, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, he has He's kind of observing this woman that works behind the till uh-huh. and they develop a kind of friendship thing. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's actually really good. It's worth checking out. Very cool. I bought, Very cool. I bought one that you will want to, to check out. What's that? Two-headed shark attack. Man, I'm there. Starring Brooke Hogan, that's... Brooke Hogan uh, and Carmen Electra. Uh, okay. And a two-headed shark. Well, there you go. That's impressive. So, have you watched it yet, or...? No, not yet. Mm -hmm. I'm saving it for a day when I've got even less to do. Mm -hmm. I want to see see Ghost Shark. That's a remake of Ghost Dad as well. (laughs) Bill Cosby plays the shark. Uh-huh. Don't go yeah. in the pudding. Ghost Shark starring uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Yep. <laughs> Ghost Shaft starring uh, Samuel Jackson. Have you got any more? Ghost uh, Shark starring John Candy. He's dead. <laughs> that really would be a ghost. <laughs> Yeah. I, I, Is he on Caddy Shark? No, no. I can't remember. Uh, I don't know. It's don't so care. long since I watched Caddy Shark, and it's one of these films that loads of people go on about how much they love it. And Oh, and Uncle Buck. I'm more of an Animal House guy. Yeah, yeah. I feel Absolutely. really sorry for Chris Farley, because if he'd, if he'd known that John Candy was going to die, he could have just stayed healthy for a little bit longer, and then Hollywood would have really needed a funny fat guy. From the director of Animal House comes a different kind of animal. Yep. It's a gopher. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a gopher, is it? <laughs> Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. Um, that was the promotional line. See, some guy who kills people, am I right in thinking that's got um, the girl from The Office on it? Mm-hmm. British girl from The Office. Yeah, Lucy Davis, who is Jasper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Jasper Carrot's daughter. Honestly, yes, wow. and uh, there was a documentary about the office where uh-huh. she was being interviewed, and she said that somebody had found out that Jasper Carrot was her dad, and said, mm-hmm. "I didn't know he was your dad. You don't have the same last name." <laughs> She's like, "Who who thinks that Carrot is his last name?" <laughs> yep, exactly, exactly. I'm not even sure if his first name's Jasper. I don't know, to be honest with you. I don't know. Probably not. Yeah. But I, I did... Uh, I I watched Man of Steel. Shut up. No. I, <laughs> Nobody wants to know. In all honesty, I did re-watch Man of Steel. <laughs> Bell end. Did you just get so furious at me watching Man of Steel again that you threw something? <laughs> no, it made a mighty sound. It's like this table is made of metal, so it's like if you... If you even drop a pen or anything, it makes a mighty sound. Oh, don't drop a pen on it then. See? Oh, uh, see, you're a percussionist. <laughs> don't let anybody ever tell you you're not musical, Roscoe. 
Oh man, that's what they said to Phil Collins. No matter what the album reviews say. <laughs> I've got the same hairline as them, so I'm all, I'm all good. I'm all good. No, ja- no jacket required. I thought that review that I read of your acoustic album was incredibly harsh. <laughs> and then I realised it was your dad that wrote it. I was like, like, and that's the nicest he could be. Yeah, that's... <laughs> Well, you've bought two copies of it, so I think that's uh, that speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah, I have I have actually bought four percent of all the release. How's that? It's limited edition. I fifty. Yeah, I've bought four percent. All right, so it is. Sorry, my maths is atrocious. I, I, and my grammar, obviously. <laughs> you're in America. You should be saying that your math is atrocious. My math. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, so Man of Steel, fucking hell. Yeah, it it wasn't as it wasn't as good the second time round. <laughs> it doesn't bode well. What have you watched? This week I've watched nothing. Girl. I've watched I've, I've watched uh, actually I watched a documentary about Madeline McCann since <laughs> uh, so she mentioned it. Was it the um, Spanish one that had been banned? Yeah, it's the Spanish one. It's excellent. I it's watched very, very that good. as well. It was really good. Uh-huh. It's called the truth, the truth of the lie. If you want to Google it, and mm. it's uh, excellent. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's just, uh, it's actually, I don't know. I don't want to comment on it, but it makes you kind of angry at the at the way it's been dealt. So the the Portuguese police, it's it's them basically laying down their side of the story, and it's actually very interesting. So I, I encourage you to give it a watch if you're in any way interested in that. Um, particularly in the context of seeing the crime watch thing that was on. Yeah. And I did see one comment from somebody about it that was saying, oh, this this guy, because he released a book about the <laughs> whole thing, he's just made this to try and sell more copies of the book. But <laughs> Everything that was published in the book was already, by law, public domain. it becomes public domain in Portugal. Yep. So that's the... The way it works. So, hey, give it a look. Yeah. Um, yeah, aside for that, uh, just light-hearted viewing, kind of <laughs> uh, keep away for, for doing so much work and stuff. So just kind of doing that. And no matter, uh, just the, the films for this week, which I chose. Uh, so that's uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, Coyote just won Best Film. At a film festival. Oh, I saw that as well. So congratulations to Trevor and Bill for that. Yeah, well, and everybody else. Uh-huh. Yeah. But especially to them since we know them. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you see that the Bubble Burst is in, uh, he's in Legend of the Red Reaper, starring Tara Cardinal? No, I, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, yes. Um, you can Google that. Uh, just to check, but I, I'm fairly sure he is. Or you can just uh, Google Tara Cardinal for fun. <laughs> She's the uh, uh, number one portrayer of uh, Northern Irish ninjas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from America. Yep. <laughs> so, but we dig her. Um, so, yeah. Aside from that, uh, the films that we've been watching this week are uh, John Dies at the End. Um, or Jade Eight, as the kids are uh-huh. calling it. Ah, there we go, which is 
That's the second JD joke you've ever made on this show, I think. I think it was the only two. Um, <laughs> so John Dies at the End, which is based on a comic book that was released fairly recently. Dylan Dog. Um, it wasn't a comic Dead... book, it was a book. Was it? Yeah, it was a book. It was originally released online, serialised, that you could just read it for free. Uh-huh. And All right, then okay. it was uh-huh. re- it was released years and years ago. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, Chris, like 2001, 2002 or something uh-huh. like that. Right. Oh, there you go, a web serial. Uh-huh. Then as an edited manuscript in 2004. Very interesting. So there you go. Um, yeah, my, my kind of uh, introduction to that thing was through Comic Book Club, um, which is a podcast that I listen to fairly regularly so I assumed it was a comic and the sequel is called something like uh, dude this book is full of spiders seriously dude don't touch it or something, yeah. <laughs> something bizarre like that um, but that's that was more recent I think that only came out last year um, because they were on promoting that product uh, on comic book club um, so that, again that was just me assuming I suppose that that was what the that's what it was from. Um, Dylan Dog is certainly based on a comic book, an Italian comic book, um, but supposedly it's very, very different, but we can yeah. get into more detail uh, later on. Um, and the third film was uh, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Yep. Uh, so yeah, the the common theme this week, <laughs> there wasn't really one. <laughs> I think it was like... Uh, what was it, Goofy Goofy Horror or something on, on Netflix? It was something along that kind of line. Yeah, they're all classed as Goofy Horror on the US oh. Netflix, and they all have somebody's name in the title. So Gil came up with the title of Titular Hilarity. No, Titularity. Titularity. There we go. That's how you say it. <laughs> Titularity. <laughs> As clear as mud. No, there we no, go. That's it. Teach your clarity. <laughs> I'll touch your clarity in a minute. Um, <laughs> teach your clarity. <laughs> it needs to record that now. That's most annoying. I think that you've just said it so many times that it becomes. You said what too many times? Oh, God. <laughs> teach your clarity. <laughs> right. <laughs> Okay, enough of this hilarity. Um, <laughs> we're going to have a short break now, um, and we'll be back after this. Take a journey with the Phantom Eric as he explores the last 100 years of horror. 100 films to be explored, each one with the related themes, actors, and directors that made the last century of horror cinema so great. Travel the world from Germany to Scandinavia. Italy to France, North America and everywhere in between, with no stone left unturned. The zombies are locked up, the vampires are asleep, and the prowlers have slain their last group of campers for the night. So take the hand of the Phantom American Lester Reaper, as this is one time travel experience you won't want to miss. Okay, guys, and we're back to discuss Tucker and Dale vs. Evil from 2011. Um, we're joined, can you believe, by our dear friend from the World of Develop podcast. Also, our first female guest. Oh, she is, absolutely. Um, so, 
representing vaginas everywhere, it's Jamie Jenkins. Jamie, how the devil are you? I'm doing great. This is awesome. I feel like I was ambushed. <laughs> but I love it. I love don't, it. Don't I, come on Skype alone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, Gil told me that, you know, everyone in the world has either heard my voice or didn't want to. So <laughs> <laughs> That's a great quote. It is. I've used it several times since then. I really do love it. <laughs> the only okay. selling point that we had was that we were the only podcast in the world that Jamie never appeared on. I know, and then you just threw that out the window. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tucker and Dale vs. Evil from 2011, uh, directed by Eli Craig, written by Eli Craig and Morgan Jorgensen, um, and starring Tyler Labine as Dale, um, Alan Tudyk as Tucker, uh, Katrina Bowden as Allison, Jesse Moss as Chad, and some others. As vaginas. <laughs> yes. So, um, yeah, so it's synopsis. Uh, Tucker and Dale is a hilariously gory, well, that's opinion, uh, good-spirited horror movie, um, horror comedy, rather, doing for killer rednecks what Shaun of the Dead did for zombies. Tucker and Dale are two best friends on vacation at a dilapidated mountain house who are mistaken for murderous backwood hillbillies by a group of obnoxious preppy college kids. When one of the students gets separated from her friends, the boys try to lend a hand, but as the misunderstanding grows, so does the body count. So that's, Ooh, that's a, synopsis. a fantastic synopsis. Thank you. I wrote it my, well, <laughs> tomatoes wrote it themselves, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> Rotten so, tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yeah. That's right. You have to say it. You have to say it. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> that was, that was co- Cockney. Forget about it, Spot. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> what the fuck Forget is tuna? That's... Have you ever seen Mickey Blue Eyes, I assume, since you're. <laughs> or is that just. Yeah. Um... That was uh, the, the guy with the blowjob doing a really bad accent. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. And one of the one of the phrases that James James Khan tries to teach him is uh, forget about it. He's like forget about Eid. <laughs> it's pretty bad. That's me attempting to do a British accent, attempting to do a New York accent. So <laughs> take that for what you will. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Gillian Roscoe's bodacious horror podcast. <laughs> that is quite the impression, Jamie. <laughs> quite the impression. Very impressed. <laughs> That's the sort of impression that we used to have people on British TV doing a lot in the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, Jamie, you, when we uh, when we, we uh, attacked you on Skype, you said that this was one of your favourite movies. Is that correct? Yeah, and, well, of recent years, I, yeah. I it sort of hit me. I had no idea. The first time I saw it, I had no idea what to expect. But I love Alan Tudyk and um, Socks. I can't ever remember his real name, but he was he was Socks on Reaper. And I just thought he was really funny. So I'm like, well, let me check this out. I just ran into it on, I think it was on Netflix. And um, I laughed hysterically all the way through. I, I And then I watched it again, and I laughed hysterically all the way through it again. So that right there proves it has staying power. But there are so many things about it that... I just, I love, they're sweet, sweet guys who were just horribly mistaken for hillbillies, <laughs> killer hillbillies, nonetheless. And it's great. 
<laughs> and the body count rises, but they have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Poor guys. Yeah, it's, it's a, I, I always think it's such a really cool uh, comment. It's a kind, it's slightly meta. It's got that kind of meta light flavor to it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's quite something. It kind of comments on the genre, but as as the kind of synopsis said, it's a very good-hearted film as well. Oh yeah, and they are so just they're incredibly sweet. Like these are two guys you just want to hug and you feel so bad for them because at every turn something horrible is happening whether it's someone tossing themselves in the wood chipper or you know uh accidentally getting shot or something crazy. And uh they're just trying their best to to well, one save the girl and then well, they think there's like a rash of weird college kid suicides, and so I'm <laughs> trying to prevent that. And one of my favorite things is I'm running through the woods, college kid. <laughs> I really liked the the TCM reference as well. When he gets, he's got the the chainsaw and he's stung by the bees, and yeah. starts starts running wildly like Leatherface. I just, I just, that always makes me laugh. But I, I laugh all the way through this film as well. But I still don't trust Alan Tudyk because he's Alpha in Dollhouse. Yeah, you know, I just know him as, or best as Wash from Firefly. So mm. that's where I fell in love with him. And Dollhouse is well worth checking out if you've never watched it. It gets a bit odd. That's what Bo was a big fan. Yeah, it got cancelled way too early. That tends to happen with. That tends to happen with with poor Joss's shows. Absolutely. (laughs) They're really good. They have a big following and then, but then his, but then we get introduced to actors like Alan Tudyk, who then, you know, he goes on to do other things. Uh, Not nearly enough. I don't think. Mm. And Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar as well, who, uh, she's now one of the biggest names in Hollywood. Yeah. And she, (laughs) no, she's not. (laughs) No, she's not. But, (laughs) She's not. She's, I wouldn't say she's A-list, but she's gotten some work off of it. And, you know, she started in soap operas. Um, she was in the Buffy porn, though, right? In the porn? The porn version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? Was she? I... No, no. That's the only word she's likely to get out of. <laughs> That's so mean. <laughs> I think the she just looks like a, an older, beaten-up version of Melissa Joan Hart. Yeah. <laughs> beaten-up. <laughs> We went to see we we saw once more with Feeling, didn't we? We watched it at my place, Gil. Or or did I, did I just hey, oh no, we, we gave a copy away to somebody who <laughs> to Thomas Hughes. Thomas Hughes turned up in our show, and I gave him a copy of uh, Once More with Feeling, which he he just looked bewildered by, to be honest. <laughs> Probably even more bewildered when he watched it. Yeah, that's the one episode that everyone tends to bring up. Whenever you talk about that show, that's the one that people remember. Mm. And so, consequently, I've watched it a lot because that's the one everyone always wants to watch. <laughs> if you happen to be pulling out Buffy, but I just pull out Doctor Horrible. It's much better. Yeah. Well, do you know? I'm really surprised that I've gotten mixed, like mixed reactions on Doctor Horrible. I love it. I think it's hilarious. But um, sometimes, you know, people that I really think would like it, they're like, eh, yeah, it's okay. What? <laughs> Number one, Nathan Fillion. Number two, NPH. Number one, Nathan Fillion. <laughs> but um, 
And then um, uh, Felicia Day, who is phenomenal. Love her. Of course, yeah, of course. And the songs. I really like all the songs. Yeah. And his hammer is his cock. (laughs) (laughs) What was the the Alan Partridge one that was... um, Was it Dr. Terrell's House of Horrible? Yeah, that was uh, also written by Graham Duff, who then went on to write Ideal. Which ah, uh, right. okay. the BBC Three sitcom with Johnny Vegas, which was incredible, and also sadly got cancelled. But they're bringing out a film next year, supposedly. Mm. But that that was mm. yeah, Doctor Terrible's House of Horrible. There we go. <laughs> so, I have not seen that. It's very good. There was a Don French one as well at the round about the same time that was quite good. That was Mother Most Horrid. Yep. I quite liked that one as well. Yeah, that was a. Uh, what the nineties? The two, yeah, yeah. Them, I think, yeah. They're uh, both both BBC Two. Both when Friday night meant that there would be something entertaining on. Yep. <laughs> Not yep. just a documentary about cats and then QI, so that you can, <laughs> so that they can try and persuade you that you're more stupid than you thought. Yep. No, I'm not. You've just you're making a whole program about things that people don't really know, and then going, "Aren't we clever?" No, you fucking researched it. Exactly. exactly. So, uh, Jamie, would you recommend this to your average uh, horror fan? I would. I know that there are some people who have difficulty with comedy and horror. Or they just flat out don't like it. But I feel that I would at least give this one a chance, even if you don't think that it's for you. Because there are so many nods to classic horror tropes and films. And sure. um, it's really... It's made for the horror fan to be able to appreciate, and yeah. I really don't see how you can't. It just—it's sure. impossible, you know, because it's so good-natured and fun, yet really, really brutal. It's so brutal. I mean, oh my the goodness, poor, the whole thing—it's like a mess. It kind of reminds me of. Did you ever see Four Rooms? Four Rooms? No, I don't think so. Mm. There's a—it's a—it's an anthology film, right? And um. One of there's a segment that has Antonio Ben, and it's all centered around the bellhop within this hotel, ah. who is played by uh, he's the guy who gets shot in Reservoir Dogs. Um, Tim Roth. Tim Roth, thank you. All the stories center around him, and there's one particular segment that has Antonio Banderas, mm-hmm. and he and his wife are called the bellhop up. They want him to babysit their kids while they go out. Mm-hmm. Well, so he keeps he keeps all these the kids are just pure terrors they're they're horrible and so he keeps trying to get them come up with ways to make them shut up and then they discover they keep complaining there's something smelling under the mattress and so he comes up and they discover a dead whore under the bed so anyway he's a whore a whore yes politically correct here um no (laughs) (laughs) no but it's the accurate one right okay they discover a dead hooker um, oh, uh, okay. under the bed. I don't think that's politically correct. I don't really know what would be politically correct. It's not really a politically correct profession, is it? But um, I guess it depends on where you live. <laughs> but so anyway, at the end, it's just the parents walk in and he's like holding one kid up by the leg and he's the ho- the room is on fire and he's got a, he's got a cigarette in his mouth and it's just and and then of course the dead whore and it's like all this crazy shit is mouth. happening. At one time, no, the cigarette is in his mouth. The dead horse is still in the bed. And uh, all this crazy shit is happening at one time, and the parent just happens to walk in 
right then. And that's kind of what this movie reminds me of right. because <laughs> they keep getting discovered in some of the most bizarre, can't really talk your way out of it situations. <laughs> but just when you think that things are going to go better for them, you know, some other piece of shit happens and then they, <laughs> and then it all goes to hell. And then at the end, you know, the place is on fire and then it's just, uh, oh, and he's gotten stung by bees and, oh, it's just, it's terrible, but it's so funny. It's so, so funny. And I recommend it highly to everyone with a pulse. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Gil, Gil Rokotansky, what's your, your personal view? I think as, as well as it just being incredibly funny, it's also got quite a nice little story that, that just kind of comes together and ties the whole film into one satisfying bundle. The only annoying thing is that it's a versus title. And... Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we even said that to the guy that made Cockneys versus Zombies that, you know, when it's something versus something, that can be a little bit off putting to people because you get like strippers versus werewolves, werewolves versus strippers, strippers versus something else. And mm-hmm. it just it just becomes like, oh, I've seen a film like that. And I don't want to watch it. And I think it's a it's a shame they've given this a title because it could put some people off who would otherwise really enjoy it. Sure. Yeah, it should be like Tucker and Dale versus obnoxious college kids if it's going to be anything. <laughs> like, that's. <laughs> but no, I'll right. that some versus evil at the end, I suppose. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're you're right though that the writing on this is is remarkable. I would, uh, I definitely would think it's notable that everything is. There are all these little subtle things woven into the writing. The characters are. They have a lot of depth. They're very alive. You care about them. You know, you really want the best for these guys mm-hmm. and because you know that they just have the best intentions. But from the very moment they first meet the <laughs> the sweet girl that, that he ends up falling in love with, <laughs> um, things go horribly awry. <laughs> and, uh, and in a way, um, the way they come off – you can't necessarily blame the kids because if you if they have grown up watching any of these uh, fish out of water, don't go into the hills because the rednecks will get you movies, yep. then you know you're like, well, I might be wary of them too. Mm-hmm. But then you're like, no, they're not like that. And so it's great because you're pulling for them the whole time. And then there is the well, there is the one kid that you really just want to just. Uh, um, yeah, Actually, thing. several of them. I don't like obnoxious sure. kids anyway. So if you like to see obnoxious kids get knocked off, then that's another plus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so yeah, the, I mean, the, the other thing I was going to mention was the kind of quite interesting relationship between Tucker and Dale themselves. Um, with, I mean, I mean, Tucker is, oh, sorry, is it Tucker or Dale that's the, the slender one? That's Tucker. Uh, yeah, so Tucker is quite jealous and envious of Dale in a lot of ways, or he certainly tries to keep him down throughout the film a wee bit. Um, and there's, there's a kind of quite interesting relationship where they are clearly best friends, but where Dale try, uh, Tucker tries to exert his dominance in the relationship uh, throughout by almost holding Dale back a wee bit and doing his confidence down so that he can... Uh, so that he can succeed. Um, so, I mean, that's quite interesting. That's got a really nice payoff at the end as well. Um, so, yeah, that, I, I really like that, and I thought that, that kind of tied in very nicely with uh, everything that was going on, and particularly, the, as you say, the, the, the state of 
hysteria that starts as a result of that one really obnoxious kid um, kind of going crazy and, and, and hyping everybody else up. Yeah. It was, wasn't that, uh, is it Curse Smith that plays that role? I don't. I think or is it, it just uh, someone who reminds me of him? I can't. Leave it's remember. Jesse Moss who oh, plays okay. Chad. Okay, he reminds me of Kerr Smith, the guy from. Um, well, most people, I guess, would know him from Dawson's Creek. He was ah. the Mich- Michelle's uh, what's her face, the gay brother from Dawson's Creek. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, he reminds me of him, and and he was always kind of obnoxious. So yeah, yeah, he was in Ginger Snaps apparently as well. It would, so, be, it would be good if it was Tucker and Dale versus Dawson's Creek. Then I'd accept it being a versus thing. <laughs> <laughs> it had to happen. <laughs> yes. that, oh, can we start writing that? Yeah. <laughs> Slash now, you guys, you guys are you guys are close. You know, don't you don't you think that their relationship, Tucker and Dale's relationship, is believable? <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit too, uh, yeah, it's a bit too close. To <laughs> <laughs> Comfort, to be honest, I was, I was seeing a lot myself in Tucker. <laughs> ah, is that a euphemism? Yeah, <laughs> I kept looking down and seeing a lot of myself in Tucker. Oh. <laughs> I, I just think the Tucker's luck now, which oh, make... Tucker's luck. You can't mention. Oh God, you've got an American guest on, and we happen to we br- we bring up. Two comedy series for the early nineties that were on BBC Two and fucking Tucker's Luck. <laughs> Tucker's Luck for anybody that isn't aware. For anybody that isn't aware, Gil, are you fucking serious? It was a spin-off series from Grange Hill, which starred Todd Carthy, who later went on to be in EastEnders. And oh, it was God. That I know. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. So there you go. Tucker's luck was a series just all about him. And that's okay with me anyway. If you can mention all the, you can mention all the local stuff you want because you know me. I'm constantly trying to learn more about your culture, but so I can eventually move in and take over. Yeah. Well, I was at night. I was at night of the Living uh, Dead last night. The Ref Tracks event. How fun! So it was like totally full of American jokes that just were totally over my head. Um, but yeah, I think we'll I think we'll maybe talk about that more in the next episode. But yeah, it was it was good fun. But there was a few a few jokes that just were. <laughs> and that coming from a man who spent two pounds on a Twinkie. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, that was just a gift to go. What was it? We were watching Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, yep. Yeah. So. Oh, that's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jamie, thank you so much for appearing on Gil and Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Aw, I wish. uh, It's been real. Wish I'd known. But no, honestly, this is—it was a super fun surprise, and and I love talking to you guys anytime, recording or not. That's so. lovely. Aww. That's lovely. Oh, you take care of yourself, and um, we'll we'll see you all on the. And maybe you should say about develop the podcast if people haven't listened to it. Where can they find you? Well, currently they can still find us at horrorphilia.com, but of course in January uh, we'll be hitting the bricks from that place. Not in a not in a bad way. Uh, we're just, you know, you guys are doing the same thing so uh, after that you can look for it on devourthepodcast.com 
Or you can look for it in there now if you want to. Yeah, or <laughs> on the iTunes store is another good yes. place to find it. You can subscribe. You can find it it's on Stitcher Radio. Mm-hmm. But if you do listen to it on Stitcher, then you hear us. That's true. I keep hearing that. Uh, you guys are infiltrating our show and you're doing something. Yeah. You're sneaky. And it's Maven1974 on Twitter. Yes. Also on Facebook. Uh, forward slash Maven 1974. There we go. So, Jamie Jenkins, thank you very much indeed uh, for being the first female yeah. to grace our show. I'm honored. Who better? Who better? Yeah. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I love you both so much. Okay, and we'll be back, guys, after this. Boom! And the dart is going. <laughs> okay, Jamie. See you later, wee pal. Uh, bye, guys. I love you. Yeah, I love you. Bye. See you later. <laughs> Cheers. Bye, Gil. Bye. <laughs> right, switch her off now. <laughs> Get short. Get short of her. I'm going. I'm going. Hurry <laughs> up. This is Jamie from Devour the Podcast. Do you enjoy horror commentary with straightforward honesty? Oh my god, fuck this movie. Fuck this movie so hard. Oh my goodness, you know, I, halfway through this movie I was just like, let's get this thing going. Fuck this movie. Okay. <laughs> Humor and an obvious passion for the genre. Pick up this baby, I'll kick him in the face. I like the cut of your jib. The ceiling, Grandma. Don't make me get out the broom. Oh, your tears are like wine. They used to call that the vapors. Cupcakes are kind of the Schindler list of desserts it's it's a, a pure good i love the idea of up and coming horror directors taking on the found footage genre i really really like that idea and that's really the worst thing you can commit as far as filmmaking is concerned is making a film that's just average well that doesn't really inspire any kind of exactly. discussion whether it's you know to rip it apart or, or praise it then you should spend time with david and me and Bo as we discuss horror films from old classics deep red empire of the ants lisa and the devil the Baby, The Toxic Avengers, The New Favorites, Absentia, Cabin in the Woods, The Loved Ones, Shadow of Death, VHS, The Woman. Check us out on iTunes or at devourthepodcast.blogspot.com. Devour the Podcast is a proud member of the Horrorphilia Podcasting Network. Welcome back uh, to Gavin Roscoe's Bedacious Horror Podcast. Um, we're delighted at this time to be joined by... A man who needs some introduction from the podcast Under the Stairs and Rock and Real Reviews, our friend and your friend, Mr. Duncan McLeish. Duncan, how the devil are you? I'm not too bad, Roscoe. Thank you very much for your very kind words. Uh, I don't know if they're all justified, but I'll take them anyway. That's what we're like whenever everybody <laughs> says anything nice about us. Can we put that on a poster? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a t shirt made up with those. those uh, those nice words right now, actually. <laughs> a man who needs some introduction. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. I, I think that sums up pretty much my whole life. So, <laughs> Duncan, good to good to finally meet you. We've spoke via the, the internet a few times. Yes, we have indeed. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Bodacious Horror Podcast. I was speaking to Gil, um, I think it was last night, or maybe two nights. So I, everything's just blurring into one at the moment. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I was speaking to him and I was telling him that you pretty much are responsible for my horror podcast now, I'm afraid. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're <laughs> probably thinking if these bell-ends could do it, then anybody can. <laughs> um, so that's... Uh, We've just we've just been speaking to Jamie Jenkins uh, from Develop the Podcast, and you know that was an inspiration for us uh, starting the podcast, and we pretty much felt the same. <laughs> <laughs> 
only joking. I'm it's only just joking. a big circle yeah, joke tonight, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, it's lovely. So, Duncan, could you tell us a wee bit about the, the podcast under the stairs uh, podcast? Um, podcast. Well, I'll, I'll say I'll say podcast one more time. Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. If you say it three times, it happens. Um, <laughs> essentially, um, we started up in August. Uh, it was something that I'd be wanting to do for a couple of months. I'm involved with another podcast for a music and movie review site. Uh, we podcast on that, but there's no kind of specialism in terms of the films that we're reviewing. And I'm a big horror fan, and like I say, I've uh, been inspired by uh, your, your great work. And I thought, well, I'll start up, you know, a podcast. We'll see how it goes. And um, I just believe that if you're going to have a horror podcast, you need to have a Glaswegian on it. So I invited my friend Graham, um, uh-huh. And uh, the shenanigans have pretty much been non-stop since. Very good. And Graham's in London now, is that right? He lives in London. He's currently in Toronto, though, on holiday. So he's kind of left Tro- me to... Toronto, as we call it. <laughs> he's in the of... United States. Yeah, he's fucking left me um, uh-huh. doing a shitload of... Because we're recording our Halloween special at the moment, which consists uh-huh. of a lot of interviews with a lot of horror podcasters. And he's left all to me... Which uh, was very kind of him. While he goes off and explores the sights and wonders of Toronto, I am uh, still in very, very cold Dreek, Scotland, um, speaking to a ton of podcasters. So I don't know who got the better end of the stick there. Grangemouth represent. <laughs> very much so. Right, very cool, very cool. Um, so uh, on the next episode of uh, the podcast Under the Stairs, there's going to be... Uh, Myself and, and Gil Rockatansky are going to be on it, is that correct? Uh, yeah, essentially. Well, if, if not this one, the next one, is that right? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm having to... I sent out a, a call to arms to all horror podcasters out there to come and join me on the podcast under this year for some interviews. And I didn't really expect that many people to come back. And uh, 16 folks replied. So it's going to be over two episodes. And I think I'm going to have Gil on one and you on the other. That's so right. So just... just Kind of spacing out the the bodacious horror man. Save the best to last. That's what it is. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We admire your cynicism. <laughs> um, so that'll be excellent. That's good. So Gary Gary Hill's going to be on it. Is that right? Yeah, Gary's recorded a, a segment for it. Uh-huh. Jamie Jenkins was on last night. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. I've had David from Devour, Bo from oh, Devour, recording uh-huh. this. <laughs> Bo's recording this weekend with me. Very good. I've had the guys from the Skeleton Crew, uh, mm. Banana Laser, uh, Evil Episodes, and Iris is recorded with me. Oh, very good. I'm trying to remember who else. Uh, Corey. Uh, from she's got the a silky sweet voice, hasn't she? She it's does. Very, it's very soft. She, she's invited me across to Seattle whenever I want, which, uh, well, nice. if you're a fan of the music I'm into, Seattle's like, uh, it's like the motherland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe some groups came from there. Yeah, some, I, I think was... <laughs> Maybe one called Nirvana. I don't think they were very big, though. And the, the best one was this, was a Tad, wasn't it? <laughs> Butthole surfers. I don't know. So, um, moving on uh, from your uh, advertisement for your show, we're, we've, we've asked you on the show for a reason, and that is to discuss a couple of films with us and to, uh, to talk with it. We're going to start off, if you don't mind, with John Dies at the End. Would that be okay? Oh, yeah, fantastic. Okay, so the, the film is called John Dies at the End. It was released in 2012-13. Um, 
So it was directed by Don Coscarelli. Uh, it was written by Don Coscarelli uh, from a screenplay by David Wong. Gil, you'll be able to tell me David Wong's real name right about now. Uh, oh, God. You can edit that. <laughs> no, what is it? Oh, fucking Jason Pargan. There we go. Very cool. Okay, and it stars Chase Williamson as Dave, Rob Mays as John, Paul Giamatti from American Splendor as Arnie Blonstone. Clancy Brown from everything. Uh, what's name? Hell. What's it? Hellriders. Hellbenders. <laughs> oh God. Hellbenders. Clancy Brown from Hellbenders as Doctor Albert Marconi, uh, Glenn E. Turman as the detective, and Doug Jones as Roger North. Now the, the synopsis. Um, it's a drug that promises an out-of-body experience with each hit. On the street, they call it soy sauce. And users drift across time and dimensions, but some who come back are no longer human. Suddenly, a silent, otherworldly invasion is underway, and mankind needs a hero. What it gets instead is John and David, a pair of college dropouts who can barely hold down jobs. Can these two stop the oncoming horror in time to save humanity? No. No, they cannot. <laughs> so that's that's the synopsis. It's a pretty great synopsis. Um so, uh, Mr. Rokitansky, should we start with yourself, or should we allow our esteemed guest to, to speak first? Oh, I think we should. Uh, ladies first. Most gracious. Um, Duncan? Duncan, <laughs> would, you, would you like to tell us your, your opinions on this, this fine film? Um, I love this film. Um, I've been out for a wee while before I saw it. I actually saw it in the last, uh, I think it was possibly the last three months. Um, right. I don't know why I hadn't seen it. Because I'm a big fan of Don Coscarelli's yes. work. I love Phantasm. I love Bubba Hotep. I think Bubba Hotep's just one of these films that's completely underappreciated for the the spectacle and genius that it actually is. And I, I came to this film quite late to the party and was just kind of blown away by the complete fucking batshit craziness of it. Um, I've never really seen anything like this before in my life. It's... In some respects, it kind of reminds me of kind of really cheesy, almost kind of sci-fi television. Um, almost kind of like, I don't know if you guys ever watched Lex. Oh, yeah. It's just, yeah. yeah. Gil's, <laughs> Gil's a big fan of Lex. It kind of reminds me of Lex, but just with a bigger budget. Um, the, acting's, the acting's, for what it is, is pretty good. Um, I love Paul Giamatti. You can shove him in pretty much anything and I'll watch it. Um, <laughs> and... I've never read the book, but I've heard that the book is fairly crazy, so much so that people kind of thought that this film, well, they could never really make a film out of the book. And I think, like, with no point of reference, I think they've done a bloody fine job of it. I just think it's a wonderful, bizarre, guilty pleasure that um, that people should really check out. Definitely. But you did uh, miss out Beastmaster from Don Coscarelli's previous films. I did indeed, <laughs> uh, for shame. For That's shame. got Mark Singer, who was Donovan and V in it. You, you oh, can't yeah. go wrong with that. <laughs> the original V. Yeah, the, the proper V, not yeah. that uh, that horrible... Uh, that also reminded me of Lex, because the CGI was fucking terrible. The, the remake <laughs> series, it was just... It was so bad. They finally got to the end of the second series and went, oh, here's something that you would have wanted to see in episode two. No, 
It was just a, it was a waste. I don't know why people make these programs where they go, this is going to run forever, so let's just drag everything out. Because then they get cancelled because it's too slow. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I think you've just summed up why that got cancelled. Yeah, canceled. I think the only exception to the rule is Lost. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Let's not go there. <laughs> uh, let's not go there. I don't like your attitude already. I, no, I was... I, I, I was... A, I, I like Lost. I like Lost. I, I'm one of the few people that I know Boy. anyway that quite liked the ending of Lost as well. I thought Thank it was you. a pretty good, good ending. Um, good. What, I, I well. didn't, <laughs> what I didn't necessarily appreciate was a couple of the seasons in Lost drag, like uh, really, drag. really drag. Yeah, um, yeah. And I've, I, I think the format where it changed from uh, between season three and season four, they cut the amount of episodes and I think that this, it got better at that point. Yep, they, I agree as well, yep. So you see, we're on the same page. Russell. I know exactly, exactly. Just uh, coming onto this podcast and slagging off the end of Lost just isn't going to happen. It, so. it worked for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's one of our little differences that we don't mention. Yeah. <laughs> or else we'd never get anywhere. Um, so yeah, now that you've now that you've bro- now that you've broken up Gil and Roscoe, Duncan. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I started off with this film and I was my mind was blown with it. I was thinking, wow, this is amazing. The first seven minutes, I was totally enthralled with it, and um, introduction of Paul Giamatti's character and all of that side of things. I was loving uh, Clancy Brown. Uh, I thought it was great. A lot of the ideas I felt kind of fell flat or were a bit too clumsily used uh, all the way through. It's obviously, it's a confused narrative, and it's a deliberately confusing narrative, um, or it's a deliberately jumbled narrative because of the, the, the effects of the drug and all that side of things. But for me, it, it did feel just a wee bit too clumsy in places, and a lot of lines seemed to just get dropped. Did you guys feel that at all? Uh not so much when I rewatched it there. I mean, maybe maybe right. some of it was a bit like uh-huh. that the first time I watched it, but it didn't stop me from mm-hmm. thinking this is an amazing film. I absolutely loved it. But I, th- I think right. that when you watch it again and you've got this awareness of what is going to happen, I suppose it's, it's why people that have read the book before sure. seeing a film, they can kind of go, oh, they've... They've missed out that bit because it doesn't really matter sure. and stuff like that. But uh-huh. yeah, I, I just I, I think it's one of those films that it will always be enjoyable to watch. But mm-hmm. you get better enjoyment out of it the more you've seen it. Okay, okay, okay. Do you not think Clancy Brown was underused in this? Terribly underused, and this is Clancy Brown Appreciation Month on the Bodacious Horror Podcast. No, no, sorry, it's Kurgan Awareness, Kurgan Kurgan Heritage Month. All right. (laughs) But it is, because uh, should we tell people what the next episode is? The next episode is going to be a Clancy Brown extravaganza to top off the end of uh, Kurgan Heritage Month, and we'll be covering three, uh, three films... Uh, that feature uh, Clancy Brown. So do you want to say the names of them, Gil? You're better at saying the names of films. Uh, they are... Uh... See, you learn these things over time, Duncan. <laughs> you, I mean, 
Just, just take notes. This is, like, this is, he's, he's, <laughs> he's got his wee notepad and pen out at the moment going, right, now let, let's just see if Gil puts any any sort of inflection. You know, if there's a... He always, he always does, Duncan, and that's why, he's, that's why he's in this position. If there's a wee, a wee rising inflection at the end, and thing is... It's beautiful. It's so subtle that uh, you would almost think he was just reading it to the untrained. <laughs> out, out of these three, I'll just think. Out of these three films, I've only seen one of them, so uh-huh. you know I I can't guarantee that there will be quality. But one of, is one of them here. One uh-huh. of them's called The Borrowers. Right. Uh, okay. Uh-huh. One of them, which I am actually quite looking forward to, just based on the poster, which is un- unusual yes. for me, okay. is Hell Vendors. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> which, okay. which may may have raised a titter amongst the UK audience. Yes. And the the film which I think will finally make you realise what Robocop was all about, Starship Troopers. Oh, so we're doing Starship Troopers, fantastic. I love Starship Troopers. Very good. <laughs> Everybody loves Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? <laughs> So that is what we're doing. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Um, Gil, uh, have you got any further comments about John Dies at the end? We've hardly talked about it. <laughs> We've just kind of read <laughs> right, the synopsis well, and went, it's a film. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just trying to trying to prompt right. you to speak about yeah. the films that were discussed. No, I I, uh, I really liked it. Uh, Bubba Hotep, as Duncan mentioned earlier on, it's, it's quite a, an odd and beautifully confusing oh, film. I'm sorry, did you just criticise me for not mentioning the film enough and then went on to speak about Bubba no. Hotep? As an inroads, fuck nugget. <laughs> <laughs> See, since you've gone to New York, you've certainly got mm-hmm. the attitude, haven't you? That's it. I'm just like snapping my fingers and moving my head back and forward. Whatever. Shaking your hips and everything. Uh uh-uh. uh. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're in a. Oh no, she, oh, she didn't. See, the, the problem that you've got is that when you turn your face away, it doesn't matter since you've got a Skype headset on. <laughs> <laughs> but, right. yeah, no, this is. Uh, if anybody liked Bubba Hotep then I think they would really like this. And people, I know some that can't stand Bubble Hotep. This is probably the sort of film that they might not enjoy. But I just like the the continual confusion and how nothing is really properly explained to you until maybe about three quarters of the way through when things start to be revealed a bit more. But but just the the whole unexplained stuff at the start leaves you just watching going, What? And I like a film that makes me just constantly just wonder. Mm. A wah, 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 wonder. <laughs> you know, like Del, like Del Shannon. That song had the first ever recorded organ solo on it. Mm. <laughs> it's pop pickers. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so what, what do you think, Duncan? Uh, well, I kind of I agree that... Um, uh, Clancy Brown wasn't really used to his Oh, sorry, he meant about Dale Shannon. All right, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I must say I'm not much of a fan. But, um, on the fence. Yeah, I'm on the fence on that one, I'm afraid, oh guys. Oh, my God. Runaway is one of the best songs of all time. Right, sorry, Duncan, you were saying before I saw Rootland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Clancy Brown is, like, 
incredible. But I quite like that kind of persona of you know the the kind of almost a spiritual medium who you, you don't really see him talking or anything. He's just got a, a presence about him which just he he's a real deal. Um, you know, while these guys are kind of messing around doing the whole paranormal thing themselves, he's at that level. He's he's not a faker. He is the he's the main guy. But yeah, I, I could have done with more of him in the film, if I'm being honest. This film has a lot of fucking strange things. And I mean, there's a sequence where he talks to a hot dog um, like it's a telephone. And, you know, yeah. I appreciate that sort of mentalness in a film. <laughs> and then <laughs> and it gets film... recreated on a, on a church wall once they get to the alternate dimension. Yeah, it's just, yeah. that was it. See, that uh, to me, that's the only bit where the film, uh, like the Lex comparison I was using. See, when they mm. go to that other kind of dimension... That's sure. kind of where I'm like, you know, this might be maybe a wee step too far here. Uh-huh, um, sure. But I, I'm assuming that that plays quite heavily in the book. So um, I don't obviously want to go and spoil things about, you know, how the film ends or anything like that. I think there was talk of a sequel. I don't know if that'll ever happen. And I don't know if Don Coscarelli will be involved with that. Sure. But the title of the second book, which escapes me now, at the time when I heard it, I thought that sounds fucking amazing. It's called... Uh... This book is full of spiders. Seriously, dude, don't touch it. See, I want to see that film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great title. It's a great title. Um, so, yeah, uh, and I was just going to say that uh, just for people that are interested in kind of classic horror and kind of collecting stuff as I kind of am, um, Largeman, is it Largeman? One of the characters, I think Gil and I discussed it off-air, uh, off um, one of the characters, the, the main character in the alternate dimension is portrayed by Daniel Roebuck um, from Lost. Um, yeah. He's also a huge uh, horror collector as well. And from Bobo Hotep. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know he was a horror collector though. Uh, yeah, was... yeah, absolutely. He's a, <laughs> a, a really interesting dude and I'd love to speak to him actually. He's one of these guys that be really great to, to be able to speak to him. He says he's a horror collector. What he actually means is that he's got all the lost box sets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you shit. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Okay, okay, okay. So, um, yeah. So, sorry for my random, uh, random chat. People enjoy the random chat. Don't push it down. Okay. Bring it out. Bring it out. <laughs> Okay. Revel in your randomness, young man. Cool, cool. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it in places, and I, I, I did just feel like let the let things go a wee bit too often. Um, it's it's a cookie film, and it's a kind of crazy, crazy film with lots of really cool ideas and lots of fun stuff. Um, lots of kind of dark. Uh, Dark imagery as well. Um, I don't know. It kind of recalls a lot of the kind of body horror stuff as well, just in the the kind of dirtiness and grittiness of the the thing. As much as as a comedy, there's a lot of moments where you're just like, "Oh, that's gross!" Like when you see the soy sauce, for instance. <laughs> um, that's pretty stinking. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> I just uh, I want to watch the film again right now, but of course I obviously can because I'm having to sit and talk about it. Doing this shit, yeah. Uh, <laughs> this what the fuck? A good attitude. Talking about horror films, you just be watching horror films. 
It should just be a fucking photograph podcast where it's just me sitting on my couch just watching a film going, look, see, check it out, watching a horror film, either giving it thumbs up or thumbs down. <laughs> so, like, watching Lovely Molly where it's just me asleep. <laughs> well, the ghost of your father pumps your face. <laughs> that would be... <laughs> Wait a minute, have I just been told live on the podcast that my dad's dead? Why? Oh, now I know I should have answered those 17 phone calls from relatives today. Instead, I was thinking, no, I, I can't be dealing with any family nonsense. And they've gone and... Lovely girl. <laughs> oh, I, right. I feel so sad now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, when, guys. When so, <laughs> right. So, do we do we recommend it to to people in the in the that are listening to this show? God love them. I, I recommend it to people that even aren't listening to it <laughs> via via a megaphone on Soggy Hall Street. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Just stand there going, John dies at the end! Get a watch! (laughs) Bet you think you know what happens. Fuck you. Oh, dear. And you've got a wee badge on that says, ask me about Jesus. (laughs) That's where I recognise you from, Gil. (laughs) I did once uh, advertise a gig that my previous band didn't actually have in Edinburgh by just standing in a skip and shouting at people that they should come and see us. And the the resulting success of that was that, that we got to go and do a gig in Edinburgh and some people that had heard me in the skip came along. There you go. <laughs> yeah. And the Vic and Bob sketch about Derek and Tom Fun was actually based on me yeah. and Gil in our lives. Is it gyro day? We're going to have a lot of fun today. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> oh. So, 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 do we recommend it, yes or yes. no? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. We should We should have worked at a more complicated rating system by now. Really? Like, maybe, I don't know, numbers or letters? One of them would have been fine. But we've never bothered. How, how, many, how many stars out of ten would you give it? I'd give it 70. There we go. 70. Right, so that's 70. That's all. 12. 12. <laughs> okay, how many breadsticks out of four would you give it, Duncan? Oh, a whole packet. <laughs> and whole packet. And I, I give it three pyjama parties out of a semester. So. Yep, so, absolutely. So there we go. So that's, a, that's, that's a high rating yep. for John Dies at the end. Guys, um, so... At that, I think we'll take a short break um, and we're going to be back to discuss uh, Gil. I don't remember. <laughs> Dylan. <laughs> what is it Dylan again? Dylan Dog. Dead Dylan right. Dog. Oh, God. I, yeah. Your inability to remember this film pretty much gives away what the review will be like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you want to just like, fill the next section with uh, Bob Dylan impressions? Yeah. What's, what's your... Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. We'll be back. After this. 
The podcast which you're about to listen to is an account of the viewing experiences which befell two Scottish men. It is all the more tragic in that they were young and enthusiastic. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected, nor would they have wished to have watched as much of the mad and macabre movies they did. For them, a friendship and shared interest in horror movies became a nightmare. The events of their viewing were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre podcasts in the annals of podcast history. The Podcast Under the Stairs. The Podcast Under the Stairs can be found at podcastunderthestairs.wordpress.com or on iTunes. Okay, guys, uh, so we're back to discuss Dylan Dog. With us once again is Mr. Duncan McLeish. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for literally minutes. Um, <laughs> so this is Dylan Dog, Dead of Night from 2011. Um, it was directed by Kevin Monroe, um, and it stars Brandon Ruth as Dylan Dog, Anita Bream as Elizabeth, Sam Huntington as Marcus, T. Diggs as Vargas, Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle as Wolfgang, <laughs> and Peter Stormare as Gabriel. Um, and a synopsis, Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, is a new horror comedy based on one of the world's most popular comics, 60 million copies sold worldwide. Brandon Ruth stars as Dylan Dog, world-famous private investigator specialising in the affairs of the undead. His PI business card reads, no pulse, no problem. Armed with an edgy wit, no, and carrying an arsenal of silver and wood-tipped bullets, Dylan must track down a dangerous artifact before a war ensues between his vampire, werewolf and zombie clients living undercover in the monster-infested back streets of New Orleans. Where did you say that he keeps his bullets? What was Where that? Did... Oh, and he's uh, and he's also... Oh, no, no wonder uh-huh. he's so fucking humorless in this film, then. <laughs> Especially if they're tipped in wood. <laughs> oh! Splinters? Wood. You don't want that. I, I think I remember that film from the 70s, Wood in Your Arsenal. <laughs> so, um, yes, Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, um, based on an Italian comic, but supposedly nothing like the comic, uh, judging by the people uh, people's comments that have read the comic. Yeah. Have any of you guys seen it? The comic. Uh, I actually... No, rather than a shitty movie. <laughs> I, I did attempt to uh, get a hold of the comic to read it, but... I could only find Italian versions. Right, okay. So, but uh-huh. uh, you said the the film was directed by Kevin Monroe. He actually single-handedly built all of the Monroes in Scotland. That, that's it, actually factually correct. But do you know that where he actually got his uh, his start in the business? Where he was, was that? a storyboard artist on Hey Arnold. Was he yeah. really? Yeah. So he goes. There's a there's a, a comic uh, link there. He as was well. also a director, writer, and character designer on the 2007 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles series. What? Mm. Which begs the question: Teenage Mutant. Where did it all go <laughs> wrong for Kevin? No, I, I think it begs the question: Exactly what characters did you have to design? <laughs> 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 you know, uh, surely they were already yeah, fucking there. 
know what? Any characters <laughs> that you add to the original ones, people uh-huh. just go. You give them some pouches. That's like shit new. That's like a shit new character. Also, it's it's not quite a spoiler because Poochie. Well, Poochie McDogface. It, this this isn't a massive spoiler, but for Christmas I have bought a four-year-old relative, a Ninja Turtle figure. It's not much of a spoiler because, well, you know, we can't can't listen to this, can he? We swear a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also responsible for a fantastic comment that I heard. I'm sorry to derail shit, but this is just fucking hilarious. Go it was ahead. Uh, my cousin's husband was driving the the kids somewhere, and it was a bumpy road. And the the son who I bought this turtle for made a, a funny giggle in the background and. His dad said, what's up with you? He said, when you go over the bumpy bits, I'll feel it in my bob. (laughs) 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 Why don't don't kids do podcasts? You're listening. Gillen Roscoe's precious on a podcast. Um, So, yeah, Dylan Dog. (laughs) Dylan Dog. So, I mean, the, the... interesting thing about this i suppose would be even if you were trying to you were managing to track that down um the comic book apparently it's got quite a lot of satire on it that related to different real world events that might possibly be kind of over our heads as as nobody particularly familiar with italian politics and things like that so i found that quite interesting and the complete lack of any kind of satire in this film um, is striking (laughs) And or personality. <laughs> there's there's no personality in the film. Which yeah. uh, actually makes it more believable that Brandon Ruth would have played Superman because uh, it it just shows that if he <laughs> when he was required to play Clark Kent, which I actually thought he was really good at in Superman Returns. I think that see if Superman Returns just omitted all the bits where he was Superman and just showed you, oh check this guy's really good impression of like uh, Christopher Reeve. You'd go, oh, that's, that's all right. But no, it's just a <laughs> fucking awful piece of shit film. Actually, I heard that they, they made another Superman film. Ah, right, okay. Well, we don't want to know about that and your opinions on that. I mean, Dylan Dog, to me, to me, it's not without merit. Controversially, I don't think it's without merit. Okay. Well, I think uh, I mean there's there's points in it where where it looks like it could get a wee bit interesting, or where it looks like they've got a few good ideas. Um, the the kind of gangster vampires, I suppose, was pretty cool. I enjoyed seeing Kurt Angle acting, and I'm doing like inverted commas there. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did what he did what pro wrestlers would describe as acting. Um, <gasps> And Sinbody's gonna have a word with you. <laughs> oh no, there's there's some there's some good pro wrestlers that can act, but uh, Kurt Angle um, probably isn't one of them. I, I was just thinking that uh, you know how everybody doesn't like Ben Affleck being cast as Batman. We should get uh, Sinbody cast as Batman because because much <laughs> like Batman, we we uh-huh. now have. 
just a, a Sin Bodhi hotline because he has one Skype address that only we that only we know. <laughs> doesn't sign doesn't sign in though. So he must be busy with something more important, like getting on with a life. Yeah. But I, just, yeah. I uh I quite like I thought Kurt Angle was alright. As much as I'm sitting slagging him off, I thought he was pretty good. It was he was okay, did he still Wolfgang? Who, uh, yeah, what, yeah. what gang was he from again? The Wolfgang. Uh, <laughs> Just, just in case nobody could figure out what beast he was going to turn into in 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it did start off with uh, Dylan, Dog, in the basement. Yep. And he was uh, mixing up some medicine. Yep. And yep. then there was his... There's another Bob Dylan reference. And there was his, his wee pal, what was his name again? The instantly forgettable comic relief zombie. Man, I liked him. That was uh, Marcus, oh, yeah. Sam Hunt. Yeah. I really, really liked that. I thought that was good. That was one of the few things that I really enjoyed about him. I was a bit disappointed by the amount of time he spent on the pavement thinking about the government. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> See, I called it before I said it. He bizarrely played Jimmy Olsen in Superman Returns as well. Well, that would be how he got the job. There we go. Nepotism alive and well. That's <laughs> that's it. I really enjoyed that that of it, but um, yeah, it was the, the the good moments were very few and far between in this one, and I think Brandon Ruth was was pretty terrible, unfortunately. Yeah, did you did you get the feeling that when he put on the red shirt, that was meant to be like an iconic moment? Yeah, it just fell flat on its face. You know, yeah. it was like what? Oh. So now that he's decided to go back to things, he's going to put on a red shirt. But, yep. you know, even if they'd had like a flashback before that where it showed you him dealing with the creatures Kicking of the night. Taking names and a red yeah, shirt. You know, then you would have gone like, oh, like that's kind of like his uh, self-imposed uniform, his trench coat red shirt. But as you get it in the film, you just have him like kind of cutting about in everyday clothes and then this whole moment of I'm going to start taking care of business is lost when all you see is him put on a shirt. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. You know, it's not like he's got a sheriff badge or anything on it. We don't know that that's meant to be like, oh, my God, I didn't think he was Dylan Dog until he put the red shirt on. <laughs> Where the fuck was the red shirt? Oh, there it is. Thankfully, finally, this film can get on with being awesome. I, I was just like, Fuck's sake, man! What wardrobe yeah. change? The, pain, the painfully, the painfully cynical bits. Um, I was thinking that that was kind of quite good, but then I realised that was all he was doing was that painfully cynical, or maybe he just wasn't doing anything. Maybe he was just reading the lines. I, I think so. Maybe he was so cynical that he just wasn't, it wasn't acting at all. I'm not sure. It was. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't the most inspired performance that I've seen. You get the feeling that when he's meant to look into the distance, there's just a cue card being moved slightly further away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I mean, uh, Duncan, you've seen this film as well. What are your uh, What are your particular opinions on this one? Uh, well, yeah, I actually saw this one recently as well. Um, oh. Yeah, um, this one was. It was reviewed. It was reviewed on Devour, actually. Uh-huh. And, um, oh yeah, I, yeah. That's that was where I held of it as well. 
and I hadn't seen it at that point, and I thought, well, you know, I tend to check out the stuff that I haven't seen because why would I want to go? Well, no, I would, just ignore me. <laughs> uh, so, aye, so I checked out anyway, and on paper, this film should be like fucking awesome because it's kind of it's kind of noir style. Yeah. And I like that. Um, it, you know, it's kind of dealing with kind of paranormal, you know, it's dealing with zombies, vampires, werewolves. All these things are ticks for me, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, it's, it's almost like watching, well, when you watch the Monster Squad, for example, all your favourite kind of things are in one film and it, it works and it's great. And then you watch this and they've got all these cool things they could do and they just don't execute them well at all. And I think he, I think when he got his script, right, I think when Brandon got his script, I think there might have been a typo between, you know, um, one of the zombies and his character being a zombie because that <laughs> explains why he's so fucking wooden in it. I mean, it's like easily the, the nearest... Aye, it was an incredibly wooden performance. It's up there with Keanu Reeves in The Matrix. I, I just... It's just... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Ross, you're, hey. you're going to have to change your choice for that film for his podcast again now, aren't you? Yeah, I know, I know, exactly. I, listen, listen, I like The Matrix, but no one's going to tell me that Keanu Reeves did a, a superb job. You've seen it like The Matrix, it's Keanu Reeves that's the issue oh, here. <laughs> well, uh, uh, well, I, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll skip on anything. The, the, the acting is so subtle that somebody like you wouldn't even notice it. That's how, <laughs> that's how nuanced the performance is. It's like a hummingbird's wings, you know, it moves that quick that I can't actually yep. comprehend what's happening. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, this film to me is just, it's just incredibly boring. It finished, and uh, it's funny that, um, that the girl had said that you, you were kind of having trouble kind of maybe remembering a lot about it, because I'm in the same boat. Um, I watched it a month and a half ago, and to be honest, um. <laughs> I can remember a few scenes in it, but nothing that that you know kind of stuck out at the end of the film that would make me want to ever go back and watch it again. Sure. I just think it's painfully boring. Yeah, and like I say, on paper it shouldn't be. On paper, I'm, I mean, I've never read the the comic book. The comic book's obviously been quite successful. You said sure. it sold six million, sixty million copies. Sixty million copies, yeah. So it's obviously got a fan. It's been going for years, out, yeah. though. It, it has got like hundreds and hundreds of issues out. It's like from the eighties. Yeah, sure, but I, even at that, that's a good that's that is a good hat ratio. Yeah, again. but I I watched the film twice. Uh, yeah, because I thought I'd fallen asleep, and it turned out I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> I actually watched the film twice. Like uh, when it gets to the point in the graveyard, and then it suddenly like goes, "Oh wait a minute, we have to remember what the fucking plot for the end of the film is," and crowbar it all into this two minute segment. I, yeah. I thought that can't be it. I must have fallen asleep. I thought that I'd missed like a huge bit either before that or after it, and it turned out I hadn't. Sure. I was I was so fucking angry because it meant that I'd now watched the film twice. That's a good way to get money out of the cinema paying public, isn't it? <laughs> make <laughs> make them think they must have been unconscious at some point. I mean, you you Duncan, you would have held this. Uh the same episode of Devourer as me where they played the trailer um, prior to yeah. and prior to reviewing it. And do you know what I was thinking? Oh, that trailer sounds amazing. I can't, I can't imagine why they would 
be saying yep. that it was anything less than absolutely stellar. It sounds great. Um, and then you watch it and you're just like, oh, man. And the trailer, that's it. The tra- you just watch that trailer uh-huh. and, and then watch the film after it. And I, I mean, I, I, they're not the same film. They're not sure. the same film at all. It's just, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's a story we've all heard before, you know, um, a guy who's involved with something, something bad happens, so he decides he's no longer want to be involved with that world. Something happens which draws him back into it. So, I mean, it's a, a story we're all familiar with, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, but this it just, I mean, w- with all the cool things that they could do with this film, they sure. just make it beige. It's a very beige film, you know, right. at the end. It's just very boring. And I, to, I mean, I can understand why there's not going to be a sequel. I can understand, because, I mean, this has, like, legs to be a franchise, if it had been sure, successful. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, just, I mean, the, the fact that the name is Dylan Dog Dead of Night suggests yeah. that they presumably thought that it would um, be astonishingly popular and that they would be able to, to move on and do other films. The, se- the sequel yeah, will come out just after the Buckaroo Banzai sequel. <laughs> the thing is, as well, it came out in 20... 20- when you think about it, like think about 2011, when you're dealing with things like um, vampires. I mean, your your television screens are showing things like True Blood, so it's obviously and uh, Twilight's big for some reason. Um, you know, so vampires. You know, there's zombies. Walking Dead's already started by that point, so sure. people are interested in zombies. Um, yeah, I just, I just, like I say, in, in theory, this should be great. It's just not. It's just really boring as fuck. <laughs> Fuck this movie! <laughs> yeah, <pretty much. laughs> But no, yeah. seriously, just like, yeah, fuck this movie. I want to, if this appears in Poundland, I'm going to buy a copy of it just so that I can put it under a bus, then retrieve it from under that bus, and then put it on a little barge, float it down a canal that's on fire. Not just not the barge, mm-hmm. just the, I will set fire to an entire canal just to float this down it. And then I will extinguish the flames with my urine just to show how disappointing as fuck this film was. So, so is it a uh, recommend? <laughs> I, to someone you don't like. Yeah. I, I, I think that this is the sort of film that... It's a good Christmas present. Actually, it's on my Amazon wish list already. <laughs> is it no. honestly? All right. But, yeah, this is uh, just a ridiculously bad film. It shows so much promise, and then like, it it has some nice effects and stuff. Like, in the big final mm-hmm. battle thing, they've got some nice kind of physical and CGI effects where you go, oh, that's okay, but all it's basically doing is just ending the film. You know, right. the film doesn't... At no point when the film gets to the end, do you go, that's a satisfying conclusion? You just go, that's a conclusion. And it's just fucking depressing. Okay, guys. Uh, Well, that's been Dylan Dog. I think we'll uh, now have a short break and we'll return to close out the show. We'll be back after this. you come to the right place. My name is Gary and I am your guide to the Cinema Beef Podcast. Every episode, we not only deliver film reviews, we also dismantle some of your favorite and most hated films. Sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. Hey, 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 you shut your face! 
If we want to hear you talk, I will shove my arm up your ass and work your mouth like a puppet. All right, calm down, calm down. Every show I hope to have a new co-host, podcasters, listeners alike. That's right, I'm talking to you people. I take all comers. Oh, slaps. That's not very nice. The only rules, well, let's ask the best cooler in the business. All you have to do is follow three simple rules. One, never underestimate your opponent. Expect the unexpected. Two, take it outside. Never start anything inside the bar unless it's absolutely necessary. So join the Insanity and please venture frustrations. I'm available on TalkShoe, iTunes, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Remember, here at the Send Beef Podcast, if you got beef, I've got the grinder. Okay guys, we're back to close out the show. Um, Duncan, thank you very much indeed for for speaking to us. Um, now, the podcast under the stairs most recently has been covering uh, the Chucky films, is that correct? Yeah, we did a retrospective on the Child's Play franchise, um, which was very timely because it coincided with the release of the new Child's Play film, Curse of Chucky. Which is quite good. Right. So that's, that's is that a remake or a reboot of the franchise? Uh, it's, can't it, really spoil it. Uh, yeah, yeah, can't. It's, you uh, just have to watch it and make up your own mind. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, I, by yeah, I can't really get it. Um, I mean, we we give it a, a kind of brief once over, and then we go into some heavy spoilers on our podcast. Um, right. Okay. Uh-huh. For exam things. I couldn't even. I mean, I would recommend even steering away from the, the cast list. The list of cast. Yeah. yeah sure. As well. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it though. I thought um, it was a welcome return from the 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 kind of dog shit to the face that was Cedar Chucky. Um, I liked so... that. I, I thought it was entertaining. <laughs> Billy Boyd, you know, a fellow Scotsman, was the was the David Bowie-esque appearing child of uh, Chucky and Tiffany. Yeah, but it's... There's, Jennifer Tilly's in it twice, and I don't understand one of our big gripes. I think that's one that we went into quite a lot of detail. I just don't understand. I just don't understand why she's why she's in it twice. I don't understand why Chucky is kind of basically. It's not the Chucky's not the main character in this at all. Right. He's basically he's just kind of shows up and cracks a one line joke and disappears. Um, and the focus is far more placed on once again the Jennifer Tilly character. Um, right. there's, there's a hell of a lot of. I would like to say it's kind of subtle nods to Psycho, but it's almost rip off particular scenes in Psycho in it. And I just, it's one of those films that, I mean, I watched when it came out. I remember watching it and saying, if I never have to see this film again, I'll be a happy man. And then, yeah. then I, I forgot about that when I said, let's do a Child's Play retrospective. It's uh, meta, though. But yeah. You know, Jen- Jennifer it Tilly is- appears in Seed of Chucky basically as the actress who portrayed Tiffany in Bride of Chucky. Yes. So, you know, right. it's uh, I'd say the Seed of Chucky exists outside of the franchise and inside of the franchise at the same time, which I think is a little bit of a brave move, considering that at the time they weren't sure if the franchise would continue. But, you know, I think it's it's got enough entertaining sections in it, and the the portrayal of their subsequent child is kind of entertaining enough, because... He has this uh, kind of dual personality where he's got Tiffany's kind of 
open and loving look on the world, but he's also the the son of a serial killer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, those. I mean, the the actual the actual child of Chucky and Tiffany. It didn't really bother me. I just and I I totally see where you're coming from with the meta one. I mean, Bride of Chucky is meta as yeah. well. It's, I mean, there's a lot of references to well, obviously Universal Classic. Um, Bride of Frankenstein, I mean, it's actually played in a section within the film. But, and you know, and you see there's a sequence in that film where they're walking through a police evidence locker, and it's basically the costumes of characters from other franchises. So you've got a hockey mask, you've got um, a glove with knives on it, you've got a chainsaw. Um, So, yeah, I mean, mean, that's not the thing that that annoys I just think that when you look at how that's, and, and the thing about that that really confused me is Don Mancini, who has written every single one of the child play, that he was he that was his first film he directed in the you know in the series, and it just doesn't resemble anything close to how the series started. Um, and then when when you see, I mean, he directed Cursor Chucky, and when you see that, that's the film I wanted to see. Um, and I, I never got that film until you know this year, and I'm, I think I think this film hopefully does well enough for people to, to you know actually go back and I mean, there's very few franchises out there that you can start on a really high note and finish on a high note, and that certainly to me is one of them. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the Curse of Chucky, but I just think, like I say, there's a couple in there that you know test my faith. <laughs> so. Sure. Uh, I highly recommend that if anyone does listen to that podcast, what they do is they make sure they watch the film first because we talk about it for about an hour and 50 minutes of that is spoiler related. So, <laughs> you know, so I, I would highly recommend that they do that. But yeah, it's, okay. a, like I say, a good film. Um, and if, if anyone wants to hear my opinion on it, you should go over and check us out. Well enough, that since you mentioned somebody that's in charge of the writing, maybe not being the best person to direct something. Clive Barker directed the original Hellraiser, which I've always seen as a bit of a disappointing film. I saw today that they are doing... um, It looks like it is going to go ahead now, the Hellraiser remake. Yeah, and it's, it's Clive Barker that's going to direct it and Doug Bradley's coming back. And that, to me, that's the sort of thing... I'd like to see from a remake. You know what I mean? Doug Bradley's going, coming uh, back. Yeah, Doug, oh, Doug Bradley and Clive Barker. So, and Clive Barker said that there will be C, uh, CG in it, but it'll be very minimal. He wants to use as much as uh, as much practical as possible. So that you know, I'm I'm sold there right we away. Talk- I was going to say there's there's actually plans to do a Bubble Hotel sequel. That's us. I think it's one of these ones that's been in development hell. I think um, a lot of his career seems to be kind of development hill. Like, I think the first time it's mentioned is like 2008, and then like the next time is 2013, and they're talking about uh, it's called Baba Nosferatu and the She She Vampires from Hell or something like that. Um, There's been talk about a new Phantasm film for fucking ages, um, and it's just you know I. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to see a Phantasm film that doesn't have the tall man. I mean, it should always just be the same guy that portrays him, I think. I, mm-hmm. I'm kind of with you on that. I think that's that's that, well, essentially that's what I associate that film with. Yep. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I don't know how happy I would be with a, a recasted 
actor in doing that, trying to do impressions of the original guy. So I'm kind of iffy on that one. Have you guys, I mean, obviously Devourer, I've been talking about uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street uh, remake. Have either of you guys seen yep. that one? I have, yeah. What, what did you guys think of it? I kind of thought that, I mean, and I, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of that first one now. Uh, at the time when I watched it, when I was like freaking maybe 11 or something when I saw it, and it's, uh-huh. it scared the shit out of me. But yep. I've went back to it since, and it's... It's just a wee bit cheesy, and what they've managed to do is, in my opinion anyway, with the remake, is just make it even less threatening. I, yeah. I don't know what was about it. I, I mean, mm-hmm. they make, make references to particular scenes in the original, um, but that, the, there's a classic example about CG, the sequence where he pushes his face through the wall. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that that can't cost that much to recreate. It's just, it's just a mean, sheet. Yeah, so why not do that? Why CG that? I, I don't fucking understand it. Um, uh, I, I quite like I like the guy that plays Freddy, uh, and I, I don't. Uh, Rorschach, Jackie, uh, Jackie Errol. Jack Errol Haley. Yeah, I, I liked him. I, I thought he, he at least tried to put his own spin on it. I, I don't like necessarily hating on remakes because Maniac's the classic example to me of a really good remark. And I think, to, to be honest, that film, it's like one of the best ones, one of the best horror films, anyway, I've seen this year. Sure. Um, so that, to me, is a remake that's done well. That, and it's once again, it's not Platinum Dunes bashing, but they just seem to have this really great way of making films look a kind of greeny, browny colour, um, sure. and just completely not threatening. And that's that's what I come away from. I'm, I'm not a big fan at all. I hated the subplot as well of him possibly being innocent of his crimes. I, yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't. I really hated that. I was like, "You're kind of, you're you're kind of confusing the audience here." Because are, are you changing it? No, you're not really. You're just going to follow it anyway. So, in fairness, there's always been that uh, kind of suggestion throughout the Nightmare series, has there not? Yeah, but not when you watch uh, the Freddy's Nightmares episode. That's all about his trial. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Absolutely. Which I I think kind of what they'd done with the remake is they went, oh, we've got this paedophile aspect that, oh, in the 80s, they didn't play that up, and they've played it up to fuck in this, you know, it, it, sure. it's just, you know, it basically just gets to the point where you're going, right, we get it, we know that paedophiles are in the press a lot these days, but, you know, this classic horror film about a paedophile managed to not be going, like, you know what paedophiles do, by the way? They fuck kids. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, for for me, Nightmare is an absolute classic, and you know, like just an original and a, a great idea that was really well executed. But yeah, the the acting is subpar uh, in a lot of places. Um, but hey, as with as man, it's. I mean, I, I I love the night. Well, I love some of the Nightmare series. Um, the, the it does kind of drag on. I think the I think the other series tend to be better. Like Friday the Thirteenth, for example, I think is a more consistent series. Mm-hmm. Um, much more consistent, even although it's kind of. But I mean, you it's got more good entries than bad. I mean, you you the first first three are great, and then you've got. Uh, four, which is a bit stinking. Then you've got six, which is amazing. Seven, which is pretty damn amazing. Um, so yeah, you've got a, you've got a, a fair chunk of really really good ones with Friday the Thirteenth. I've not seen the remake for that one though. Have you yeah. guys caught that? Yeah, I kind of. I didn't hate it as much as the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. If I'm being mm. honest, um, uh-huh. 
but yeah, there's still a lot, in my in my opinion, there's still a lot wrong with that film as well. Sure. Um, I don't know. I think I think to be honest with you, I, they couldn't continue carrying on the series. So I can see on some level the logic of resetting things. Um, sure. You know, go from year zero and see how we can move on with it. I just think that the the people that remake the films, I just think that when they watch. When they, if they even watch the originals, they just come away with the wrong impression. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yep. They focus on the wrong things. The, the things that um, are kind of small details in the the original film become major details in the remix. Um, sure. And that to me, and it might it might be for. I mean, if if I had never seen any of the Friday, uh, Friday the Thirteenth films, then maybe I would have appreciated the remake. But because I have seen all them and I sat down, I was just like. It was all right for what it was, but to be honest with you, I, I would much rather watch any of the Friday the 13th films, even the bad ones, over going back to revisit that one, if I'm honest. Yeah, especially because they get a bit too hung up on, well, how do we separate everybody? There's a tool mm. shed, so let's try and see, like, we get somebody out to the tool shed, then somebody has to go to the tool shed to look for them, and you're like, oh my God, stop going out to the fucking tool shed. Have them out in the yeah. woods. You know, have them actually somewhere where they're going to be scared as opposed to constantly within yeah. arm's reach of a fucking phone. It's like no lessons have been learned from these things, though. It seems like, I mean, it seems like these, you know, these films like Scream and Leslie Vernon and Cabin in the Woods have all been made, but nobody seems to be paying attention or kind of learning lessons from them in the exactly. way that they're writing But things. it's hit and run. That's where it is. It's a, it's a cultural hit and run where they go... Right, it's uh-huh, been sure. so long since Nightmare on Elm Street. We can remake we can it, it and some yep. mm-hmm. like enough people will go that it's going to recoup all the money we made. It's going to make us a shitload more. And who gives a flying fuck about sequels because sequels make less money most of the time. So mm-hmm. all they want to do is have like this one benchmark moment. And the only time that I think it did make a really good film is the Omen remake. I actually... I didn't mind Omen, yeah, I didn't mind Omen remake at all. Even though it was tied into being brought out on the 6th of the 6th, 2006, just so they could tie in 666 with the ad campaign. You know, like, Friday the 13th remake, it it had always been stated that 13 people would die just to tie in with Friday the 13th and everything the Omen remake is actually a, a good film. Uh, uh, Liev Schreiber, he plays the dad, and I, I thought it was a it was a decent enough remake. In fact, out of the the Omen box set that I've got, I watch the original and the remake more than I watch two, three, or four. Yep, absolutely. So, guys, thank you very much indeed for listening. Gil, I believe you've got uh, something in the any other business uh, category to, to bring up to the for the, the Gil and Roscoe AGM, starring board member, uh, board member uh, <laughs> Duncan yeah. McLeish. How are you spelling, how are you spelling board? <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to put the video camera on and do a sexy strip tease for you with that? Would that perk you up? Also... Um, what inflection were you putting on member? <laughs> I've put many inflections on many members. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, uh, anybody that's in LA, 
that's you know loads of our listeners are in LA. Muscle Beach, all these muscle bound hunks doing their doing their sit ups and push ups and listening to Gillan Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. I was very yes. disappointed that that there's only select muscles that you're allowed to work on in Muscle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Gil. For our listeners who might be in LA, yeah, uh, the RIP Horror <laughs> Film Festival has uh-huh. selected She Wolf of the Woods to play at it. Fantastic! And I, I believe that the barman in that film is outstanding. Are you up for a nomination? <laughs> I'm up for one. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> On that note. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for listening uh, to Gillen Roscoe's Bodacious Horror Podcast. Um, if you would like to listen, uh, if you want to subscribe, you can find us on iTunes. Or, or just go to bodaciousshorror.co.uk where everything's there. Absolutely. Yeah. We can find us on Twitter at Bodacious Horror. And at Gil Rokotansky. And, and Duncan, what's your Twitter uh, my Twitter is visual underscore chaos, spelled K A O double S. Because you're awkward. <laughs> yup. <laughs> That's a 10 4 good buddy. Um, so Also, uh, we have to thank Jamie Jenkins as well for her. Jamie Jenkins, thank you very much indeed, Jamie Jenkins, for appearing on our show. It was a, a blast as always. Um, and thank you indeed for listening. And we'll see you all next week for the final week of our. Kurgan Heritage Month. And we'll be back next back after this. We'll be back after this week. <laughs> okay. Right. Take care. Okay, love you. Love you too. Bye. You hang up. I've got to tell you, I'm pregnant. Greetings, my friend. We review the entire film as Bob Dylan. And the fun of him would have been the best film was not very good, you know. I watched the film and I thought it was incredibly slow. And then I fell asleep and I had a better dream and I went up to the man and I punched him in the face and I said, I did not like your film. <laughs>